Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Um, we got to turn back to Daniel chapter 7. We're looking at different facets in the chapter. There's multiple facets that we, I'm breaking apart. So today, I'm just going to be focusing in on the, three, the last three phases of the beast government. Now, what I'm going to do is, it's very simple scripture to understand, but then what I'm going to do is tie it to the current trajectory of where things are going and show you examples of how things are forming. Now, here's the thing. The Bible tells you the end game, like what they're going to accomplish, but what it doesn't leave in there is any um, details of how we get there. And so this is the privilege we have living in the last days of being able to say, ah, that's how we get there. One, two, three, four, five, all the steps are laying out in front of us. It's a very privileged position. So what I'm gonna show you are the steps of how they get there and what they're doing currently with these, these, uh, these globalists and elites and stuff like that. Anyway, this is the question we need to ask ourselves. In the current landscape of things, how did such a small group of billionaires get control of our entire world as we speak right now? How is it that right now in America, we're not being controlled by the voters or people who elect people to office, that we're actually being controlled right now in the United States by an outside group that's telling the United States what to do? How did that happen? And that's the fundamental question we all have to be able to answer because if we're going to resist what's happening and stand against what's happening, we gotta know how we got here. And so that's what we're gonna show through, through this, this uh, presentation. So we'll start in 23a. This is just a refresher. He says, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms. And like I've mentioned before, just to refresh our minds, this is about imperialism. That the fourth empire, you know, the Roman empire, which is still with us today, has the ability to go beyond nation states and tell nation states what to do from a global perspective. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Okay, so let me give you an example. And there's multiple examples, whether that's you know, saving the planet, saving uh, uh, the polar bear, whatever, you know, all these crazy things that they're pushing in the agenda on the United States, like wokeism, critical race theory, the whole thing, all of this is coming from global elites telling the United States what to push. And then, in concert with the United States, even though the United States cannot pass laws to do things, like you see the, the, the discrimination that's happening with like the Minnesota teachers, like, the, you know, like whites will be the first one to be fired or laid off, that's illegal, but how are they doing that and there's no prosecution, right? Or when you get censored on the social media, how are they doing that without a violation of the First Amendment? Well, it's because there is a partnership between the governments of the world and the elites and then corporate businesses. And the key in understanding is this, Instead of the government 
pushing the issue because they know they can't push the issue because no, they would be voted out of office and most Americans would push back on this. So instead of going through the legal system, which they can't do because they know it won't pass, they're actually doing an end around with the corporations to push the issues. And, and that's why you see major corporations and banks pushing these ideas on us, whether it's Target, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Home Depot or whatever it is, them pushing the agenda and the government say, be able to say, well, it's, you know, we didn't pass a law. We, we didn't do anything. It's a, it's a free market. The corporations are the ones doing it. So they're free to do whatever they want to do. Well, the, the government turns a blind eye to that. But really what's happening is it's, it's the corporations that are pushing the globalist agenda because they couldn't pass it legally. That's what's happening. So for instance, let's just take one issue, abortion, okay? The UN is pushing abortion very, very much so, making it a global thing because they have to reduce the population. And so the United Nations declares abortion a human right now, okay? And so that, comment, that plays into what the Supreme Court did and putting it back onto the states. But if you have a global entity telling the, the U.S. government, this is what you need to push, then the government's going to push it through the corporations. And so you'll see more and more push from private en entities about, you know, female, uh, you know, I don't know, family planning, whatever, reproductive rights or whatever. And so the, this is why this, the abortion bill, not bill, sorry, the abortion push is so heavy right now. So it is getting so bad in America because of what they're pushing. We now have sank to a new low in America. And now people are actually making altars for their abortion. They're seeing it as, as a sacred right and folks, we're back into ancient paganism. Watch this girl as she makes an altar. I don't know to what God, I would say Moloch to her abortion. Building an altar for your abortion can be a really cathartic procedure, can be a really cathartic process because it just creates a space for your, your sacred container where you can return to whenever you want to meditate, whenever you want to think deeply or contemplate any aspect of your abortion. It's a really beautiful way to just give reference to the experience and hold the experience in a really sacred way. Really just clean the space, clean myself. I like to always have a candle going on my altar. I'm also going to be adding an Empress tarot card today, and she really just symbolizes feminine fertility and feminine energy. I also really like to add the abortion pills themselves to the altar to really bless the pills that we're going to be taking into our bodies during this process. And before having your abortion, I would even just recommend giving them a nice sage or a nice palo santo or with incense or another smoke to really cleanse the energy and really bless them and really put 
your intention for healing into the pills before you take them. And place the container of which you plan to put the, the products of conception or the fetal remains within to catch that after you've passed it and save it for later when we, when we find a way to, to bury or otherwise um, to where we find a way to properly dispose of the fetal remains in a way that gives reverence and respect and support to this, to this sacred abortion experience. Okay, she and the, the people like her are on the level of what they were doing to Moloch in the Old Testament. That's a new low. But it's because of what is being pushed by the global elites. They want to depopulate things. So now people are turning this into some sacred act. It is the most evil, wicked thing I could possibly imagine. I never saw, I, I think I would saw, see the day where someone would actually make an, uh, an altar to whatever God for their abortion. That's the return of paganism. But that's an example of the issues these global elites are pushing through our society, okay? Now, here's another thing. Well, we're gonna see the stages that Daniel points out about this, about this government. And we've talked about the stage in the United States in which Jesus saw in the first century. We're currently in the second stage with the two legs, I talked about that. But now we're gonna move into the third stage, fourth stage, and fifth stage. So the third stage that will happen is a global government. And here's where we get the first sign in scripture about a global government. And, the, and it says, and shall devour the whole earth. That phrase right there is saying that the Roman Empire one day will become global. Okay, and, and so this introduces a third phase. This is what we talk about all the time, right? Well, this is where we get it from, Daniel 7 and then Revelation 13. This is the quintessential passage that talks about this. That being the case, then, let's do some application and let's try to figure out the mindset of what they're thinking about how to implement this. Listen to uh, Noah Harari, the most evil man that whispers into the ear of Klaus Schwab. But when you have a lose-lose situation, like with climate change, it's much more difficult without some overarching authority, real authority. Now, how to get there and how would it look like, I don't know. Um, and certainly there is no obvious reason to think that it would look like Denmark or that it would be a democracy. Um, most likely it wouldn't. We don't have uh, workable democratic models for a global government. Um, so maybe it would look more like ancient China than like modern Denmark. Mm. But still, um, given the dangers that we are facing, I think the imperative of having some kind of real ability to force through difficult decisions on the global level is more important than almost anything else. Did you hear that? The ability to force through issues, okay, beyond us voting for it, beyond, you know, our Congress making laws and that being approved, 
beyond the Supreme Court, beyond the executive branch, that the globalists will have the ability to force issues on people. That's the key there. That's called imperialism. That is currently happening right now on all sectors, whether it's the killing of fossil fuels, uh, the, food the food prices, which I'll show you in just a bit of why they're rising. It's insane, but yet that's happening right now. So they tell us that globalism is some wonderful thing and we're all gonna be united. And then you see it here in the church saying, well, you know, we just need to get together and be united and come together. Uh, how do you get united with people, those who claim to be Christians, and they're heretics or they're a cult? You can't get together with that. Truth separates. But they want to pretend like it's kumbaya, but really what it is is a bunch of guys sitting around, a small group of people making decisions for all of us. That's really what it is. And it's exactly what I'm going to show you that scriptures predict. So the head of this, as you know, is Klaus Schwab. Apparently, everyone seems to listen to this guy. Again, Noah Harari is the one speaking into this guy's ear. And you heard about you know, the Great Reset, the Build Back Better, New World Order. All of them are involved in it, down to the Pope, Macron, Bill Gates, all that. Bill Gates just buys people off. You understand that. He bought Joe Manchin off. You understand that. He was the one who picked up the phone and called Joe Manchin to, to go ahead and vote for this crazy spending bill, this inflation bill, which is not going to eliminate inflation. A global elite makes a call to a politician and changes everything in the United States that you didn't vote for. That's what we're talking about. If you want to know their whole plans, go to the World Economic Forum Go on their site, they will tell you exactly how they're going to do it. They, they, they put it out there for everyone to see. You can go look at this elaborate uh, uh, like circle thing and you, can you, know, you click on each one of them and it brings up all kinds of information about how they're going to implement the global government. Crazy, isn't it? But Daniel comes back and he says... One of the things you will see, it's going to go global, but it will trample it, referring to the world or people, and break it in pieces. So it's not some kumbaya thing. The global government is there to crush people and crush nations, anyone that opposes it. That's the idea of trampling it and breaking it in pieces. Well, let's, 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 let's talk about this. What's going on right now on the ground? Well, on the ground, what you have going on in America is the globalist agenda, morals, ideology, and values are now being pushed on us, okay? We call it wokeism, whatever you want to call it, you know, crit uh, critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. All of that is coming from the globalists, okay? So we know that. And that's infiltrating into the church, right? And then it's weaponizing bureaucracies all over the planet in individual nations to where the bureaucracies are giving far too much power and exceed their role and in effect become brown shirts 
for the government. They're, uh, the government's own police force is being created right in front of us. I'll talk about that in just a second. The other thing you need to watch for is public-private partnerships. Sounds great, but it's not. It's about the government doing a deal with corporatism, which is called fascism, corporate fascism or crony capitalism, and they're using the corporations to do their dirty work. Banks are involved in this. The major banks cut a deal with the globalists. Now, this would be illegal if a bank said they wouldn't do business with you or would not be able to loan you money based on your ESG score uh, if the government tried to enforce that. So it's, they can't do that. So they just said all the banks are going to get involved in ESG, which means, for instance, if somebody wants to drill somewhere and they need money to be able to drill somewhere, the government's not going to make drilling illegal. They're just going to tell the banks, unless they're ESG compliant, you can't loan to them. So in effect, they've bypassed our laws. And the banks won't loan money out to those who are drilling. So if you, get, you can't get the loan money, then you can't drill. You see how it works? It's a backdoor methodology to push the agenda and the threat of financial ruin, because if you don't comply, then you're out. See, the deal is cut that anyone that complies is part of the game. If you do not comply, we'll run you out of business. So what's in it for the corporations that do a deal with the, the government? What's, what's in it for them is total monopolization of the market. That's what it is. And the rest of their competitors go out of business. Let's talk about this then. Let's talk about the weaponizing of federal bureaucracies around the world. Here in America, we now have the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA that have been weaponized. The higher ends of the FBI and CIA are treasonous. They are, they are as evil as they come now. I'm not talking about the whole FBI. I'm not talking about the whole CIA or anything. I'm talking about the upper echelon of what's running the FBI are completely corrupt. They are the same ones, and Bombshell from, from PJ Media said, the FBI unit responsible for the raid on Mar-a-Lago was also behind Russian Gate. Does that surprise anybody? No, they're corrupt. We have now turned into a banana republic where our officials weaponize organizations and bureaucracies to go after political opponents. That's what they do in places like Honduras, in Venezuela, you know, those, those Central American countries that do those kinds of things. We are now doing it in the United States with our own FBI. They've weaponized it. That's an example of what's happening all over the world. And we're creating, base, not we, but our government is creating private armies for themselves. The new weaponization of the IRS should really raise the hair on the back of your neck. The IRS now is getting 87,000 new agents. They are being armed, by the way. Okay? Why? 
Why does an IRS agent need to be armed? Why can't they call the police and have people arrested if they're tax evading? Why does the IRS do this? This was part of this, this whole spending stuff, right? You understand this doubled the size of the IRS? And the real issue with the IRS is gonna go after people making under $200,000. That's who they're going after. And really, if they really wanna target it, they can target anyone on social media that has went and said anything against the election, against uh, Biden, against whatever. They'll go after you. They did it before. They went after Republicans before. This is being completely weaponized. Now, I talked about the public-private partnership. That is the real deal, okay? It is, it, this is happening, and they're circumventing our laws through private corporations. So when your corporation, you go to Target, and, and you go to a section in Target, and it's just full of LGBT rainbows and stuff like that, that's because of this. They're doing it to stay in the good graces of the ESG score. That's it. Otherwise, they can't get loans, they can't, they can't deal with banks. Now, I've explained just a little bit. Let Vivek Ramaswamy explain this. He was interviewed by Glenn Beck. He's a very intelligent man. Listen to what he says about these public-private partnerships. Well, what the Biden administration has managed to do, though, is, and, and, and not just the Biden administration, many yeah, administrations no, before him. This is, this, yeah, is, this is global. This is global, right? Yeah. This, is, this is transnational. Build this is transpartisan, even, right. in many ways. Build, so, build Back Better was the slogan for the election for the Japanese prime minister, for Boris Johnson in England, totally, all over the world. Totally. So this yeah. is this is not, a, it's too parochial. Yes. I think this is a U.S. issue. But what they've realized is that, you know what, the political process is inconvenient. Democracy is inconvenient because the people may not let us get done the things we need to get done. So what we're going to do is to delegate that work to the private sector instead. You know, the Green New Deal, we could never get that passed through Congress. Ah, here's a different idea. Let's instead have people sign the climate pledge instead. So that's what John Kerry has done. He's the self-appointed climate change mm -hmm. czar in the U.S. government. He's gone to many of the major banks across the country and have them sign the Climate Pledge, which says that, okay, it's legal to drill for more oil in places like the Arctic Circle. Arctic drilling is legal, and we couldn't pass a law that banned it because there's this inconvenient thing called political accountability. They'd vote us out mm -hmm. of office if we did that. But here's what you can do. You can sign a pledge as a bank just to say that you won't lend to any of those projects. And then you get every major bank to sign that, and you get to an entire Alaskan drilling crisis where people actually have great natural resources that companies can't drill into because they can't be financed because every major financial institution has signed that climate pledge. And, and, and the yeah, obvious point to make is these are not charitable institutions, right? Banks are self-interested institutions. So what are they getting in return for the question of signing that climate pledge? They didn't do it voluntarily. It's a new form of crony capitalism, where instead of crony capitalism 1.0 before the 08 financial crisis, mm -hmm. that's private sector actors effectively bribing government officials to gain competitive favors. Mm -hmm. This is the reverse. It's government actors effectively bribing private actors Correct. to do through the back door what they couldn't get done through the front door through a constitutional democratic process. So you following that? That means they're circumventing our laws because of that. That is the beast system. That's how we get to a global government. 
you're watching the setup happen right in front of you. So another thing that the beast government will do in order to get control is create scarcity to crush people. Now this is, again, what we're watching happen in order to go global. In order for go, to go global, they have to create scarcity in all the resources. Scarcity with energy. They're intentionally creating scarcity with energy by cutting us off fossil fuels, right? They're creating scarcity with water. Um, and then they're creating scarcity with food. Now let me explain this. Here's an article from the United Nations. Um, this is their UN Chronicle. This is their magazine from them. The article, it came, I think, in 2008. It was on their website, and it was called The Benefits of World Hunger. The ben Yeah, you heard it right. The Benefits of World Hunger. Remember, scarcity is, is their tool, okay? So when you go there today, it's scrubbed. This is what you get. Okay, but thank you to archives.org, and if you ever want to pull anything up on the internet that was taken down, you go to archives.org, and it's called the Wayback Machine. You put it back in, it'll pop it up. And guess what it said? It was written by Professor George Ken of the University of Hawaii for the UN. Hunger has great positive value to many people. Indeed, it is fundamental to working of the world's economy. Hungry people are the most productive people, especially where there is a need for manual labor. How many of us would sell our services if it were not for the threat of hunger? More importantly, how many of us would sell our services so cheaply if it were not for the threat of hunger? For those of us at the high end of the social ladder, elites... Ending glo hunger globally would be a disaster. If there were no hunger in the world, who would plow the fields? Who would harvest our vegetables? Who would work in the rendering, uh, the rendering plants? Who would clean our toilets? Do you see the elitist mentality here? It benefits them for people to be hungry. We would have to produce our own food and clean our own toilets. No wonder people at the high end are not rushing to solve the hunger problem. For many of us, hunger is not a problem, but an asset. Right out of their mouths. It is to their benefit to create hunger and scarcity with food. They're telling you right now, and they took it down because everyone saw that article, went crazy on it, and you can't find it, but you can pull it still up. I was able to pull it up. Unbelievable, right? But that's wicked evil, right? So now what they want to do is get you have, to have scarcity of food, especially meat, and meat is a primary thing they're, they're targeting, Okay. And there's a reason for this. So instead, they want to have lab-grown meat that you can eat or plant-based meats. And by the way, don't buy these plant-based meats. They're full of all kinds of weird stuff, including like soy and all kinds of stuff that doesn't help your body. It's, it's, it has GMOs all through it because it's manufactured in a lab. 
And the other thing they're moving is, and I, I, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. You think I'm making this up. They want us to start eating insects. I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm not making this up. They're trying to eliminate us eating protein from cows and bee, uh, sorry, uh, chickens and other forms that we normally eat and get us off of that. To, the, to bugs. Are hamburgers hurting the planet? In the article in the Washington Post, which is crazy, yes, we, uh, the, the, the hamburgers are hurting the planet, according to them. A trillion cowbirds damaging the planet daily. That's, I mean, seriously, you can't, I, you can't, you can't make this stuff up, right? Causing global warming with the cowbirds. Yeah. Cricket farms are now sp- uh, popping up all over the world. Yeah which is where your food's gonna eventually come from. Crickets, yeah, no joke, man. They're healthy, they're sustainable, so why don't humans eat more bugs? Edible insects, why aren't we eating more bugs? How giving up meat and eating bugs can help save the planet. Primary school children in Wales could be offered menu of crickets, mealworms, and other insects. In fact, they are. They are, they're eating it now. Um, now you, the new products are coming out. Uh, get Robert's uh, Bread Crunchy Cricket Loaf. It's made out of cricket flour. The chocolate chirp cookies made out of cricket flour. Yeah, uh, there's power bars made out of cricket flour and all kinds of stuff. They're, I'm telling you, they're moving this in direction. And why are the corporations doing it? Because the pressure on them from the elites not to use meat or any other types of products, but get us on eating insects. Now, let me, let me, let me ask you this. In your own mind, why would they get us off of meat and put us onto eating insects? It's make, it makes you weaker. You're totally right. If you don't get the proper protein, which is, think about a third world country. Now, we can do supplements in, in America. You know, we can get protein powder and all that stuff. But the vast majority, about 75% of the world's population doesn't have supplements. It doesn't have vitamins. You know, some of the major vitamins that we get is from meat, and in the third world, if they can't get meat, they lose a lot of the B vitamins and all kinds of other things. They lose creatine. They don't, any, they don't get all those nutrients from the meat and they get weakened because there's no vi- vitamins in that in insects. So it is in effect trying to weaken all humanity and basically kill off the people in third worlds. That's what they're doing. It's insane. And then it continues on. It says, the 10 horns are 10 kings who shall arise from this kingdom. Now we move into stage four. So basically the Roman empire goes global. We're, you know, and we're on the cusp of that. But then after that, it morphs into a 10 league confederation ran by 10 guys. Now remember what I said how are so few people running the world right now? How do they get in this place? How do they maneuver themselves? Because the scripture is saying it's gonna go into even less where 10 people will run the entire world. 10 people. Well, first of all, you have to understand it's satanic. 
the reason why Klaus Schwab has a lot of sway on people, when you look at him, he has nothing, you know, it's not, it's not about money or whatever. It's just an ideology he's pushing, and yet all the world leaders follow him. When I look at that, I say, that's satanic. That's the spirit of lawlessness. That's the spirit of Antichrist working to make these people say, whatever you say, we're going to do. Because there's no other explanation. Now, the secondary explanation is money, obviously power, all those things. But I have to start with the spiritual aspect. That's how it's happening. And so these elites now will be forced eventually, it won't be a couple hundred, it'll come down to 10 eventually running the entire world. And this relates to Daniel's 10 toes in Daniel chapter two and the 10 horns that you see here and in Revelation 13. Now, here's the interesting thing. The world will go in to a 10 region globalist system, okay? Here's what I found out when I was doing some research. I wanted to go and research these globalists and see how far back I could find information about them deciding to cut the world up into 10 regions. The first thing I found, as far as I can go back, is, is 1942 and the elites at that time said that post-World War II, we're going to go into a 10 regional global system. This is 1942. They were already talking about this, okay? That's the oldest map I could find. It's 1942, okay? This is how far back. This is the Club of Rome, okay? A very globalist, elitist group, okay? This was 1973, I believe. And look what they did to the world. They wanted to divide the world into 10 regions. This came from a confidential thing from the Club of Rome that's now public now. And it was called Regionalize an Adaptive Model of a Global World System. This is, this is 1973, okay? The Report on Progress in the Strategy for Survival Project of the Club of Rome. And I read through the report, actually, because it's online. You can get it in a PDF, actually, and read what they planned. And the first thing they want to plan is divide the world into 10 regions. Interesting. Now, I pulled this off of the UN website. This, it, on this website of the UN, I can go back to a, a, a 2009 uh, regional groupings map. This is 2009. Look at the, how they divided the world. Guess what? Count how many regions there are. 10. Why do they keep coming back to 10? Is it because they follow the Bible? No, they're following Satan, and God already predicted they're going to divide the world into 10 leagues. And so what God predicted and said in his Bible, they're actually doing. Exactly how God predicted. And this is the latest map that I could pull. It's called the Global Village. So you have the North American Union, you have the South American Union, you have Africa, Russia, Europe. That's what they're predicting. And you and I already are ahead of them saying that's exactly what they're going to do. 
But I wanted to show you this to show you that this is, since 1942, this is what the globalists have been planning, and here we are. Isn't that crazy? Let's move to stage five. And the other horn which came up, talking about the, the, the little horn among the ten, okay, which three fell, namely the horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words. The idea of the horn having eyes is that the, the individual has superior intellect. In fact, intellect that goes beyond human. An intellect that's derived from Satan. Okay? He's, it's a, he's super sharp, super smart, right? And the mouth refers to his arrogancy against the Most High God and his followers, okay? Whose appearance was greater than his fellows. So he's going to be outstanding uh, above and beyond the normal human being, okay? He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. So you have the ten regions, right? The ten kings that are controlling the world, but he rises out of the ten and takes three of them down. Eliminates them. He actually kills them. And then the other seven are so afraid of him, they submit to him. And so what you have is the Antichrist stage here, where the Antichrist takes three of them out and the rest of them bow a knee. So then... What, when he rules, Antichrist rules as supreme leader, and the other seven that remain bow a knee to him. So in effect, he controls the entire world at that point in time. And that will happen at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation. Okay. So let me bring in a little bit more information to help you. And I have to pull from Revelation into this, Revelation 17. I, again, I don't want to focus so much on the horror of Babylon because that's not what I'm trying to uh, uh, talk about. I'm trying to talk about the ten kings, their interaction with the Antichrist, which is revealed here. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And, and that's the horror of Babylon. That's the religious aspect of the beast system, right? Uh, wokeism, 180ism, lawlessness, whatever you want to call it. But she's sitting on a scarlet beast. Now, this beast is the same beast in Daniel chapter 7, but John is going to add more aspects to it. And it had seven heads and ten horns. So, ah, there, there we have the ten horns, right? That's the ten kings that rule the world. But what is this idea of seven heads? Well, I don't want you to get bogged down by it, but the seven heads refer to a chronological sequence of Roman history. And it, it started um, with, John will say, five have fallen, one is, and one is yet to come. It's a, a sequence of different phases of the Roman Empire, and I'll show you that another time. But So don't bog yourself down with the seven heads, but the seven heads represent history, okay? about the Roman Empire. It's still the Roman Empire. But notice the ten horns are there. Okay. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations. The idea is she's very rich by the deals she cuts uh, in, in the spiritual adultery that she makes. Um, and the, the filthiness of her fornication. 
and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Now, notice that she rides the beast. Here is what the beast needs. The beast system needs a glue to stick people together. Because as Daniel in his 10 toes has indicated, it, the toes are partly iron, partly clay, which do not adhere to each other. And that is a, an example of Roman iron not mixing with nationalism. Globalism not mixing with nationalism. Okay? But please do not think that this is a Republican-Democrat thing. That's, that's too juvenile to think like that. You have to take a step back. It's the globalists that doesn't want any nationalist running. That's what the issue is. I don't care if it's Trump or DeSantis or anybody that's not going to go along with the globalist program. They will stop. That's what this is about. That's why the feet are partly iron and partly clay. It's a debate and a war between nationalism and globalism. Okay, so because they don't adhere very well, the beast empire has to be able to glue people together and force it. And the religious aspect is the lawlessness that you're seeing. I'm not talking about lawlessness in the streets. I'm talking about lawlessness from a spiritual level. When God says something's good, they say it's bad. When God says something's bad, they say it's good, right? That's the system. That's wokeism or whatever you want to call it. They will push wokeism, ESG scores, to create the glue to put people together. And it's through economic force. That's why they use the whore. That's how, why she rides on top of it, because they, it's the idea of the government supporting her. That's the idea. Now we get to the ten horns. The ten horns, which you saw, are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour, for a very short time, okay? For really the first half of the tribulation. Um, with the beast. The, uh, these are of one mind. So they're all on the same page. And they will give their power and authority to the beast. Okay? So they're going to hand him over that once he kills the three other little horns. Now look how arrogant they are. They will make war with the lamb. And the lamb will overcome them, obviously. For he's Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Now, think about what this text is saying. In their arrogance, they will actually try to stop the second coming. They will, when they see Jesus come back with us, with him, they will actually try to militarily stop the Lord. What a joke, right? Just absolutely insane. It's like an ant mounting a fight against you. There's, there, it's so stupid. But this is the mentality of these people that when they see the glorified Christ, they don't worship him. They attack him. They want to kill him, just like they did in the first century when they, they, when they saw him. Let's, we will not have this man to rule over us, and they try to attack him. Now, here's what I want to end with. 
those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. There's a hint of reward in this for you, and this is where we're gonna go with the application. There's a hint of reward with this. Let me show you another passage in Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who's his wife? Us, the church. And to her, the wife, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Now, most people mistake the, the, the white linen as well. That's our righteousness from Christ. It is not. Look what it says. For the fine linen is what? The righteous acts of the saints. Oh, wait a second. All of a sudden, if you understand rewards, that these robes are given to those who, who did righteous acts and are rewarded for this, hence there is a special privilege in order to ride back with Jesus at the second coming and watch him destroy the beast and the beast empire. It indicates there's a reward to be able to ride with him, okay? Where's the reward found? It's in the terms, the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Now, now get the Calvinism out of your head. Because Calvinism is illegitimate. What do these passages truly mean in what I'm studying right now? Well, there's a reward. What is the, the being called? What are we called to? It's not a call to eternal life. It is a call to discipleship, ethical righteousness, and service in order to be rewarded with ruling with the Messiah. That's where the term comes from. The chosen. Those in the body of the Messiah, body, the body of Christ, who lived holy, ethical lives and served faithfully, faithfully will be chosen to rule and reign with the Messiah. It's not a choosing for salvation. It's a choosing for ruling and reigning. The faithful. Who are the faithful? Those who per persevere in discipleship and endure until the very end of their life, the overcomer, according to Revelation 2 through 3. Now, wait a second. There's your application. Do you want to be with Christ as he rides back to this earth and watch him destroy the system that you saw set up? I do. And so Christ is telling me and telling you, well then Brandon, if you want to ride with me and you see all this evil, I know how bad you hate it. If you want to ride with me to destroy it, then you better be faithful. You better, you better live according to what I've called you to do. You better, be, you better finish to the end. You better not give up. You better not stop. You gotta keep telling the truth. You gotta keep going all the way so that you can be an overcomer and I can reward you with the fine linen and for you to be able to, to ride a cherub horse with me into battle. Now I can tell you this, I ain't missing that one. I ain't missing that one. I wanna see evil destroyed. 
I do want to see the Antichrist destroyed. I want to see all these people destroyed. So Christ is saying, didn't trust and obey me, Brandon. Gotcha, Lord. Gotcha. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn from Daniel and Revelation. Lord, it is a very evil time, but you have promised that if we keep on mission, we keep on task, we do what we're called to do, we will get to see the end of this. And what a glorious sight that will be as we ride behind the Messiah in his glorious appearing and see evil destroyed. We can't wait for that day, Father. And I pray if there's anyone here that hasn't come to faith, they would do so today and understand Jesus paid for their sins on a cross, was buried and, buried and rose on the third day to offer everlasting life to anyone who will believe. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.